Hello, everyone, and welcome to Typically Hazardous. This is Hank Fortner, and I'm excited to bring you this talk because this is a conversation that I had with my lovely wife live at the Bootleg Theater. We gathered together for these monthly events, and it was such a blast to get to do a talk with her. So you will hear a conversation that she and I had, and she drove the dialogue and she drove the conversation about the three different art forms that inform our life, that look like our life. We had a really active Q&A as a part of that, which you'll hear talked about some very personal things as a part of our relationship and as a part of life and a way to perceive and a way to give an outlook to the way your life looks, whether you want it to or not. Check it out and listen in on our conversation just a minute. Before I let you do that, and before we go there, I want to give you a few things and some ways to connect with us. Two things are most relevant and so important. Number one, in November, we are not doing a live Typically Hazardous podcast recording because all of our energy is going towards an event called Baby Ball. I may have mentioned to you this before, or if you're listening, you may have heard about this or seen it before. Baby Ball is our year-end gala where we celebrate the work of Adopt Together and we kick off World Adoption Day. It is an incredible night in Los Angeles, November 11th. We're gathering together at Nui House in this beautiful space with some really cool things and amazing people and awesome entertainment. And I want to invite you to be a part of that. You can go to hankfortner.com and get information about that. And also you will be receiving emails from me about information on where to go, how to get tickets, all those things. If you are listening and you live in Korea, if you're listening and you live in Hong Kong, Australia, November is a wonderful time to visit Los Angeles. November 11th is a wonderful time to come and be a part of Baby Ball because it's an incredible event. So that is our November experience for Typically Hazardous. We want to invite you to be a part of that. Secondly, if you don't get our emails, go to go to hankfortner.com and you can sign up there or you can text message 66866. Text the name Hank to 66866 and you can get all the information about Baby Ball, our monthly gatherings, and even updates on podcasts like these. Thanks so much. Enjoy and now enjoy this live recording with myself and my wife at the Bootleg Theater. Do you ever wonder what your life would be like? What will you wish you would have done? Get after it already. What's life without a little adventure? We get one chance. Exploration of the unknown, the hope of something more. This behavior can be classified as typically hazardous. I call it an adventure. Welcome. Let's get started, shall we? Hi, everybody. How's it going? I knew I, uh, I knew it was time to start because I could hear my voice on the microphone, so I knew it had started. So, hi, guys. Wow, there's people here. You know, every time I start downstairs and we're like down in the like green room area and I can hear footsteps, I'm like, okay, someone showed. I'm always just so blown away that you guys are here and you can't know how much it means to me that I get to do this every month. So thank you, thank you, thank you for, for that. Can you give yourselves a round of applause for being awesome? Um, for the last, if you can believe this, this is our 10th typically hazardous. Isn't that totally gnarly? Has anyone been to all of them, just by a show of hands? Been to all of them? So Reed is up there. Reed is the guy who told you, like, hey, there's one minute warning or whatever. And I, we realized that downstairs that Reed has volunteered to do lights and sound for this thing for the last 10 typically hazardous. So what a stud. 
This guy's awesome. Uh, couldn't have done it without him. So 10 of these things, and you know what's amazing is for the last 10 typically hazardous, I've gotten on a plane the next morning for the last six of them. Like the next morning. So I flew in. It just amazes me that it went unbroken in the busiest season of my life. And so tonight I feel like we've grown a little because I don't get on a plane until for two days from right now. So I feel like that's really cool. So I've got some cool stuff um, happening in life and I've, we've got some cool ideas and some cool stories. And so we want tonight to be sort of a collaboration of that. A marriage, if you will, of um, the ideas that we have that um, we want to offer you tonight. And also like sort of an update on what's happening in our life because so many of you, you're our community and you're who we see every month and get to tell stories to. And so that's really meaningful to us. So uh, in two days, I head over to uh, Iraq um, and I'll be there for like a very brief, just a couple of days. And uh, you'll find out more about what that trip's about and what's going on for that. Uh, very soon. So if you have been to Iraq or if you are connected to people there, you know that it's uh, exciting and also a little touchy. So if you pray and and you would be willing to pray for me and the crew of us, that would be really, really cool because we're going to get to go do that and it'll be a, a chance to see that. And then this uh, month is October. This is our 10th typically hazardous. Our 11th typically hazardous is going to be in November, on November 11th at an event that we do every year for Adopt Together. Has anyone ever heard of Adopt Together? And it's an event we do every year called, does anyone know what it's called? Baby Baby Ball. And that will be on November 11th. And so tonight, I'll talk to you a little bit about that at the end, I guess, but we're gonna do a gala and it's gonna be a ridiculous, awesome uh, night of hipster madness. And so... Uh, we'd love to have you come. And so Colton and and team will be up here uh, to sell you baby ball tickets tonight uh, if you'd like to come. And if you're here and you're like, dude, I'm buying a ticket to your thing or whatever, like freak out. Oh, wow, that's so cool. I was like, Siri's telling me. So I literally said, if you're here and you don't want to go, and it was like, sorry. So that was, that was, she heard me. And the NSA heard that I was going to Iraq. So they were like, oh, we're listening to all your phones right now. Which, by the way, when you try to book a one-way flight to Iraq in like 24 hours, your f- computer just freezes. It's like, it's like, okay. Uh, which did happen. It just froze like four times. I have no, it couldn't, it wouldn't do it. If I looked for a round trip, I was fine. It was the one-ways they were nervous about. Uh, so here's the thing. Is uh, Baby Ball's coming up. If you're here and you're like, hey, I could buy tickets. I'll buy five, I'll buy 10. That would be so awesome. I'd be, you, you and your wife, you and your lady, you and your friend, whatever. Uh, but then if you're also here and you're like, yeah, I don't really want to buy a ticket. That's not my style, but I'd love to come and help with the event. You can talk to those guys as well because uh, that's going to be our November deal. And then we're going to wrap this baby up in December, which we're super excited about. So uh, does that make sense? Everybody's, yeah, that's, that's all the business I have to explain. And now uh, I, I love getting to have this conversation um, because tonight, after all of the arm wrestling that I could do emotionally, all the bribing, all that madness, I finally got my wife to come and do one of these with me. So if you would, she's backstage right now. Would you please welcome Sue Ann Cho Fortner to the stage? Hi. More of a, what? Oh, like a long on-ramp. Yeah. You're right here. Welcome. Uh, Sorry, so this is my just, lady I wife, just ran Sue Ann. I forgot my notes. These are my notes on my envelope from Cedars Island. <laughs> it's a it's hospital a, note. A hospital and note. it literally says to the parents of or guardians of Charlotte Fortner. So, and it's unopened. So we don't know what the hospital's sending us. <laughs> but we have sp- special notes on there. Good parent. Uh, so we're going to do some cool stuff. What I love about, uh, I had a conversation um, last month with someone here at this podcast. And she came up and she said, it's so rare to come to a place 
where you can have a conversation about having a better life. And for me, I felt like she gave me language for what I hope this podcast does and what these conversations do for you, is I wanna create a place in Los Angeles where people who wanna do the work on themselves to have a better life, that you have the tools to be able to do that. So if our conversations ever seem intense, or it's like, whoa, wow, we're really, go, we're really diving deep, it's because I wanna uh, create a place where somewhere in LA you could go, I wanna do some work on myself, and I want a better life, and that there would be tools for that. And so that's really, uh, honestly, what tonight is for what Sue Ann and I are gonna create for you tonight. And we are gonna uh, go back and forth as much as possible. So if you see some awkward marriage moments, uh, they're real, okay? So <laughs> just prepare yourself for that. Uh, but I thought before we start that we could breathe together. Yes. Would everybody be good with that? Is I like to do a breath. I had a crazy day where I was on my 13th phone call by 10 a.m. So I just feel like... Uh, I need it if you don't. So we're just gonna breathe together. So if you would, just sit really comfortably, put your hands on your lap, and um, close your eyes, and we'll just take a deep breath in and let it out with a sound. Ready? And one more. In, and out with a sound. And just open yourself up to the fact that tonight may give you the tools that you need to uh, have the better life, that you don't hear other voices, <laughs> that all the speed and all the madness in your life, that it all belongs there, that all the relationships and all the stuff that's going on, you just take a deep breath in and you can hold it all, and then you breathe it all out with peace. And we're ready. Anyone feel better? Okay, good. Much so better. Have, yes. Why don't you talk to us a little okay, bit about so what we're going to do Okay, so can I tonight. just start with some disclaimers? Oh, I love disclaimers. I know. Don't expect too much. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, we don't really do this very often, so I just wanted you to know, you know, might be a little tricky with the sh gear shifting thing, you know? Just go with it. Um, this weekend, we were in Milwaukee. I had never been in Milwaukee before. Oh, okay. yeah, with a lot of, yeah, a lot of white people I saw. And we did a workshop for a big conference for moms um, about marriage, the art of marriage. And um, the only reason Hank did it was because I wanted to do it. Because I'm trying to say yes, you know, to these yes in life, you know, just create an open yes. Um, and, um, it was like 700 people in this work, like two workshops. And um, anyway, as we were planning it, it kind of kept, we kind of kept hitting that same thing where it was like, well, it's about marriage, but this isn't really about marriage, this is life. You know, how do you, well, these are frameworks for life. Okay, how do you make it into marriage? So it kind of gave us the idea that to do this, the life version, not the marriage version tonight. Does that make sense? So um, these are three frameworks we came up with that helped us put language and describe our relationship in the context of that marriage seminar, the art of marriage. But really there are three frameworks for us that have, have helped us define our life, the life seasons, life phases, the rhythms of our life, individually, personally. So hopefully you'll find those to be helpful. It's the kind of thing where it's like you might be in one, but all of them apply, apply to you at some point in your life, you know? So hopefully you will um, have some tools, some frameworks, some new ways of thinking. Um, also, I got some feedback that I was disorganized. Um, I, no, they, they were had the, the program that the people are sitting in, they had these feedback cards 
that they fill out. You know, they're like, oh, fill out your assessments, whatever. They walk up to you at the end and hand you a stack of these things. It was great. You don't, you're not no, even like, done talking to people. They were all great. Them. But I just want you to know in advance from those people, what you should know is that I'm disorganized and also that my um, language was a bit racy. Okay. So just, just prepare yourselves. So I just need you to know like what sucks, you know, so then we can get over that. Okay. Go ahead. Excellent. Okay, so in your life and in our lives, we um, have sort of started to realize that so much of our lives, have you ever caught yourself in that vortex of reacting to things that are happening to you? Anybody have any drama going on in your life right now by a show of hands? Okay, great. Anybody have any relational tension going on in your life by a show of hands? Okay, more of those hands. Uh, does anybody have a sense or questions about where you're going in your life and a sense of how that's all going to play out? Okay, excellent. So for us, and for uh, as you can probably tell by the way that we've been having conversations lately or as a part of the dialogue, is so much of the conversation around my life is I've started to realize how much I'm in a reaction vortex to what's happening in front of me. And so much of the way that I react and I get provoked by people, and so much of the way that I get, re that I get provoked by situations, I get provoked by having lack. I get provoked by the idea that something's stuck. I get provoked by the idea of something is broken. And what we started to realize is so much of what we've said before or so many of those things you've heard before, which is that you're creating something with your life. Anybody ever heard those phrases? Or you are creating a life or you're making a life. So many of those phrases are really great but sort of cliched up front. But they drop down when you drill them down to what's happening in your career. Anybody having career drama just by a show of hands? I forgot to ask about that one. That one seems to be common too. But when it, come, when it drills down to like, oh, you're making a career. You're making a relationship. You're making a life. If you have this artistic perspective of what you are actually creating from a, from a framework of looking at it from its broad, what are we actually doing here? You actually have the capacity to remove yourself from the reaction vortex that will may cause even more problems and what I think for me causes me stress and anxiety in my life. And maybe that's you too. Where the, my stress and anxiety actually comes from what I, am, what I think about the thing that's happening and not necessarily that thing that's happening. I'm reacting to it. And oftentimes I'm reacting to it based on this, this personality that I have. How many people in the room do you have a personality, just by a show of hands? And some of you are searching for one and praying for that God would deliver you with one. But here's the thing, and I actually remember having that, when I was a kid, I remember having this conversation is I, I, I had a conversation at 14 years old where I said, God, if, there's, if you exist, I need a personality because I'm gonna be locked inside my brain without one. And actually, I don't think I realized that that's actually just because I, I was 17 or something at the time when I said that. But uh, I don't think you realize when, that our personalities are actually just a collection of stories we're telling the world around us. I think so many people think that their personalities are them. My personality is me. But in reality, your personality, in reality, the way that you have conversations, the way you present yourself to the world, you are just telling a story about yourself. And have you ever noticed that a person changes throughout the years or when they go to different places, their personality takes a shift? Have you ever noticed that? It's because the story that you were telling didn't match the environment anymore, so you changed it. But it seems weird to say, well, I was in this relationship and I changed a lot. Or it seems weird to say, oh, I had this job and it really changed me. And you're like, no, it didn't change me. I'm me. I'm all these things. But unless we just take a zoom out and go, oh, the way I react to situations and the way I engage with people, whether I like them or don't, it's all about the story I'm actually telling the world. It's a big part of that. So my invitation to all of us tonight is for us to sort of wake up and look at our lives as if we are artists in a studio in a workshop going, what are we making together? Now for you in this room, as it, as it becomes relevant to you, what I want you to do is I want you to hone in on that thing where you, that you feel like 
is really difficult right now. Because those pain points, like if I were to ask you, what are three things in your life that you feel like they either need to change or they need to be addressed? Three things in your life, you go, these are either problems that I'm having or things that I can't ignore anymore. That tends to be, as adults, the way adults learn the most or become most aware. We become aware when things hurt, not when things are going super smoothly. So I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna hone in on those things. That one of the frameworks that we wanna talk about is one of the art forms, is the art forms of sculpting. Has you ever seen like a, a, a sculptor work with stone? And when I say sculptor, I don't mean like clay and those things. I'm talking about like actual stone, like chiseling carving. Have you ever seen someone do that? It was Michelangelo, there was a phrase that he used to describe when someone said, how do you make these beautiful things out of marble and stone? And he said, I just look at the stone and he said, I know there's an angel inside. And I, every, every chisel, I'm just trying to free the angel that's inside there that he wasn't trying to actually come externally and build it into it, but he was actually going, there's something inside there, I have to get all of this stuff out of the way to do that. See, this, that art form for me in my life has been really, really helpful because you may right now be in a chiseling type scenario in your life. You might have a person who's chiseling, you might have a, you might have a situation that's actually chiseling away things, where you're going, this is really brutally hard. And we've been uh, frank about this, and if you listen to the podcast, you know that this is true. These have been a really, really hard two years of my life. A really hard two years of our life. This has been a really tough 18 months, like a really struggle. But so much of what I experience is it's sort of hard the way uh, deciding to work out for a year is hard. Because you take a pause and you look back and you go, I'm getting in I'm really good shape. Have you ever had that moment where you're like, wow, yeah, I stopped eating those sourdough pretzels and I'm, I'm in better shape a year now a year out from drinking or a year out from, you start to see yourself change, that's the chiseling. See, I think for so many of us, when, we are, when you're looking at your career or looking at your relationship, to pause and take a look and say, are there parts of me that have actually been chiseled? There's a proverb about this that says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I know that's been like sort of hijacked as a man thing, but it's actually just humans. As humans interact with each other, we will scrape against each other and we will do that. I think the question that, you can ask yourself, and the question I'm seeing in my own life is that the best things that have occurred and the best ways in which I've changed and I've grown as a person is when I actually leaned into the chisel. When I gave permission and surrendered and said, yeah, this is really brutal, but this needs to happen. Uh, two ways in which I think that happened. One was uh, when I first started uh, dating Sue Ann, which, did anybody know me then? Just by a show of hands? Yeah, yeah, you knew me when I, so I am uh, still, as a 34-year-old, I'm still a recovering douchebag, which I know some of you <laughs> probably knew. If you knew me at 21, 22, you'd be like, gosh, I hate that guy. The story I was telling the world was not a good one, okay, with that personality of mine. And I, and I had it people- like, I'm so awesome. That was it. And I, that was, it wasn't necessarily that was not true, it's just that I did it, went about it in such a poor, a bad way. I was just such a, I became unawesomely douchey. And, and for so many people, they would experience me that way and just go, that's wonderful, I'm, I don't need this person in my life. That's sort of how I experience people. But when I got into a relationship with Sue Ann, see what I would do is I, did, I hated the chisel. So when a media person would start to lean into me, I would just go, and I'm pretty much done with you for the rest of my life. And I would just move on. You can do that when you're single. You can't do that when you're married because you still have wake up next to that person and they're there with the chisel and they're like, <laughs> it's like a Freddy Krueger moment. You know what I mean? They're like, come here. And, but I think so much of uh, dating Sue Ann is I had people who came up to me and said, I don't know who Sue Ann is, but I like you better with her than you without her. So tell her to keep going. My family had a lot of concerns about Sue Ann. 
uh, and still are working through hilarious. some of those. And, You're laughing. It's hilarious. I, I thought it was so funny. But the whole time they just kept saying, but whatever she's doing to you, tell her to keep doing that because we like you better. It, I, as I exposed my life to Sue Ann and as she pushed on it and as I leaned into what the difficult conversations were, that's the more that I grew. I think another one was, uh, and many of you know, does anyone know Erwin McManus? Yeah, 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 right? Erwin uh, has been a mentor of mine, was a mentor of mine very intensely for 10 years. And with Erwin, you know, what's interesting is he works really, really well with douchebags. So if you're here and you're a douche, it's like, dude, go right at him. He can, t- he can help you, okay? And, and he did, had this crazy thing where he would just say something that was really, really difficult to hear. And, and the douchebag in me, this, the personality that I had, my reaction would go, that's not true. But it was about me as a person. And I would just say, it's not true. And I had this, this rule. I'm going to live for, for 72 hours like what he said is 100% true of me. Does that make sense? Because you, you ever get defensive? Anybody in the room get defensive? Probably no one here. Um, but I would get defensive and be like, nah. And then you start saying that that person like, doesn't know what they're talking about and what do you even know me and all these kinds of things, right? And I would say all those things in my head. And then I had a rule that I just thought, if 10% of what he's saying is true, but I don't like the 90%, then I'm going to lose the 10% because I'm reacting to the 90. But if I live for 72 hours like it's true, I just might find something. And it was so helpful because it helped me lean into what that chiseling was. And he helped chisel away some of the most dysfunctional things and helped me sharpen as a human being in such a way that I look back and go, I'm such a different person from when I was then to who I am now. And a lot of that was the chisel because I just sort of gave him permission to do that in the same way that I gave Sue Ann permission to do that. Um, a couple questions for you, just right off the cuff. Oh, off okay. The bat. Some yeah. questions. So we're gonna maybe do this, you could by the way, explain. When she doesn't uh, buy what I'm saying, she's gonna ask questions. Which, by the way, you I do get to buy ask, it. I just no. Would you get to ask questions at the end too? We're gonna do like a Q and A thing before we're done. Okay, so just to elaborate, maybe. Yeah. What's the difference between um, someone nagging you mm, yeah. and chiseling? <clears throat> and, it's a um, very important. What's um, distinction? And also um, the kind of abuse. You know, like um, someone's kind of coming at you thinking like, I'm going to chisel you. And you're like, no, you're abusing me. Like, how, yeah, right. can you talk about that, that line relationally? Like how we as people healthily manage that? Yeah. So we're going to go deep into the analogy. You ready for this? Chiseling someone uh, with nagging is like taking a wet rag and just scraping it all over them and hoping that that somehow chisels them. Or better yet, imagine filling that wet rag with sand and then just grinding that on the person going, this is making you better, it's making you better. It's ma-. And it isn't, it just makes it awful, isn't it? Anyone here ever been nagged just by, so I get a sense for, yeah. You, and you have, like, you have that literally like your throat closes a little, it's like I can't handle any more that you have to say. That nagging does not work. And part of the reason that this is in both categories of a person who's abusive and a person who nags is nagging is when you try to help a person change that isn't asking for your help. They're giving zero levels of permission for you to say, yeah, do that. And that can be true in a marriage, in a relationship, in a friendship, in any of it. I have lost friends because I didn't understand that dynamic. Because I thought, I'm awesome. I'm going to tell you things that are true about your life. Regardless of how true it is, if you don't have permission to actually actually lay that chisel into their life, then you're not actually the stone that, or the, the iron that sharpens the iron. You're the stone that dulls the thing out and they're just like, I'm sort of done with you. It all is based on permission. I would say the same with the abusive pieces. Um, Michelangelo is an artist. He looked at the stone and said, there's an angel inside. And every single chisel was in service of the piece of art that was going to emerge from it. When uh, 
a person is abusive, they are looking from the outside and going, I'm going to turn you into what I think. I'm going to turn you into what I want you to be. But again, has no permission. And even if they do have permission, it's not in service of what's inside you. It's not in service of the best you that's locked inside there. You can sense that from a person and you know usually very clearly, like, yes, this person has my best in mind. And then other times you can be like, I just think this person wants me to fit into some weird weird category that they have in their brain. Is yeah. that, does that make sense? No, no, definitely. Um, I think I've seen this in, for us um, because you were, we were pastors for a long time and mm -hmm. you were a pastor in a different capacity than me, but um, I think people do this most often with, so, with a pastor in the Christian world where they want, they have judgments about what, who their pastor should be, how he should be, mm -hmm. how he should act, what he should drive, how much, you know, that they put out externally, not from the inside out, you know, that they're not, anyway, there you go. Okay, so for me, this has been helpful. What inspires me about this, my experience with this would be, I would say for you, is um, in the area of motherhood. So I, um, I'm not a kid person. I don't um, like really kids, and, um, and I don't like other people's kids. Like, I, I love my kids, but Oof, you know? So, um, he comes from a family and upbringing where his mom felt she was put on earth to be a mom. So we're coming from two different perspectives, you know? Um, I have felt the most free in terms of the chiseling is him helping me be the mom I am, you know? Not into the mom, how mom should be or how his mom was or how stay-at-home moms are or how suburban moms are or you know, other people's moms are. He has helped me a ton because I have my own guilt, my own shoulds, my own, you know, obligations. He has helped me a ton chisel away at who actually am I as a mom, um, is an extension of who I am as a, as a human, as a woman, and the freedom to parent in that. You know, freeing the mom in me, you know, really. I'm like, no, I don't want to be that mom. He's like, you're not. You can never be. You know, so that has been super helpful for me in our relationship. Again, the permission from the inside out. Mm. Um, and I've also experienced, as I mentioned earlier, people from the outside in, friends from the outside in coming in and kind of judging our life, judging how we do it, judging whatever. And that's been a really painful part of the last two years, actually. So is the chiseling where you're like, this doesn't feel like great chiseling. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I think what would be really helpful in terms of your life and in terms of our life is for me, what I realize when I'm, my life is being chiseled or that element, there's this really beautiful phrase that says that God comes to you disguised as your life. And I think so many times in our life, have you ever asked yourself the question, why is this happening to us right now? Yeah. Why is this happening to me right now? Or why is this happening in our relationship? Or why is this occurring? Or I just don't get, this isn't how I planned it. Anyone here a planner? I like am a, I'm a planner, so when things don't happen, I'm like, I don't get it, I didn't write this down. This wasn't in my dream notes, you know? This wasn't in the chapters, or what, like, I just, I don't know, I get so frustrated. But in reality, when you are looking at something where you go, why is this happening to us? You can respond and react to it, or if you take a zoom out, you can go, is this possibly, or perhaps, a chiseling that I can invite into my life? Does this need to be here? Is this to get something off of my life? get something out of my life. And I'm not talking about the abusive, nagging environment. I'm right. talking about the healthy ones where you go, this is a real thing that's in our life. So how do I, maybe this is something to invite it. So the question I wanna ask you, and you can write this down and engage in this in a different place is, what in your life has be already been chiseled away? What in your life that you go, what are you recovering from? That life or a relationship or a person helped chisel that off of you? 
And do you, in essence, live in gratitude for that? Like there's some ways in which, um, uh, with Sue Ann, if I forget the fact that she helped change me out of that douchey category, or that I felt my mentors helped me move out of that space, I wanna live in gratitude with them that they've always helped me move into the place and to be the person that I am. To live in gratitude constantly, and I mean a state of gratitude, where you are in a state of the posture of going, I'm just so thankful for the things you brought into my life. No matter how naggy, if that happens, like hypothetically, that would be nagging in a relationship, if that occurs, you go, this is just the other side of this really helpful thing that I'm so amazingly grateful for. Does that make sense? So ask, where, what, what thing got chipped off, and then who do you stand in gratitude for, for the way that they did that for you? And then the second question I would have for you as you engage and as you reflect on this, and maybe this is a conversation to have in the car on the way back or afterwards when you're hanging out someplace, is what right now is life or is God or are people trying to chisel away that you're protecting and going, no, but I like this chunk? That you go, man, if I just leaned into it, it would be painful, but I might actually be the, the me that I should be or that I want to be. If I just leaned into it, I might actually listen to the feedback that the world around me is giving. Does that make sense? Because I think that gives you a chance to embrace it and kind of go, if I am a, sculpt a sculptor, I need external things to turn me into who I'm gonna be. I'm, this is not gonna happen accidentally, and I'm not just gonna wake up one morning being who I'm aiming to be. Does that make sense? Amazing. Okay, so that's our first category. Everyone, Wait, I've been waiting to ask you one last question. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, this is all relational. But in terms of frameworks for life, like maybe could you give an example of like a life circumstance that's chiseling, not like a person? You yes. Know? You know what I'm saying? Like it's, yeah. How is life chiseling you to be the God in life, God showing up in life? <laughs> yeah, you um, know my first thought, my 27-year-old sister uh, has breast cancer. And um, that would probably be my first thought, is it has sort of like um, shaken our whole family that at 27 years old, that's not, it, I always put breast cancer in the category of like, that's like a genetic disease you get when you're 40, so none of us have to worry about that. And my mom is past 40, so I go, oh, okay, we're cool. And I just like, you ever feel like sort of invincible? Where you're like, yeah, we're good. Everybody, we're good. We, yeah, we have troubles, but we're like good. When your 27-year-old sister, she had surgery this morning. And I just feel like some of those things are like, what am I not paying attention to or not seeing? How can I wake up and go, is this hard thing, this brutal, awful thing, can this chisel something away from the way we relate as a family? Maybe it's how distant we are, maybe it's how we're relating to each other. Yeah. It just sort of it woke all of us up. It was, it's just crazy. Does that make sense? Yeah, if that's yeah, like yeah. a helpful framework. Thanks. Cool. Second layer would be painting. So if you're taking notes, the second layer, layer is, or the second element is layers. When you look at art and you look at different things, I think what's um, fascinating about um, the perceiving of your life is that, do you realize that you cover yourselves in layers? Have you ever noticed that? That you cover yourself in layers, anyone here dating? You're dating each other, just by, you're dating someone, just by a show of hands. Hold, hold them high, be proud, you know, be brave. Okay, good, 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 awesome. Anybody here single? All right, look at each other, keep them high, okay. We're in a good venue. Every time, that. Every, every time. time. I can't help every it, time. I'm, I'm a keeper, I'm doing it, I'm chiseling, you know, without your permission. Um, when you're single, you are a certain layer. When you start dating someone, you add that layer to your life. Have you ever noticed that when you break up with that person, that person's layers and the things they taught you and the things you learned from them, they sort of stay with you. Have you ever noticed that? Like that still stays in a part of you. Anybody here um, unemployed, just by a show of hands? Yep. Anybody here like you have the job of your dreams, just by a show of hands? 
You ever notice that oftentimes your jobs and the things that you have, like your career, those are layers on your life. There are words. Okay, I'm gonna ask you to just uh, like just shout out things. What what is what do you do? What's the one word people use to describe who you are? Producer. What else? What is? Oh, an event coordinator. Yep. What else? Engineer. Photographer. What else? A wanderer. Well, that's so badass. I love that. That's that's really cool. What else? Student. What else? Huh? Married. He's married. Yeah, yeah. That's great. That's a great example. They've painted you with that color. You are married. You are a photographer. You are covered in that color. And if you ever, so much of life oftentimes is just about adding layers to that and adding layers to your life. But in this instance, and what I love about Los Angeles is that oftentimes, have you ever woken up one morning and be like, I don't want to be that anymore? Maybe you're here and you're like, I don't want to be single. I don't want to be unemployed. I don't want to be a producer. I don't want to be a photographer. I don't want to have this job. I don't want to be in this space. I don't want to be who I've already told the world that I am. I want to change now. And you ever realize how hard people make that for you to change? Because they want you in a category. So they paint you. You go, oh, you're an actress. That's what you do. And then you're like, nah, it's crazy. I've been doing this other stuff over here. Yeah, yeah, okay. You're an actress who does that stuff. You're like, no, I think this is the thing that I want to do. And they won't. You ever notice how people don't let you shift categories? Not because it's you, because it messes with their life. And it's actually about more about what they can see. See, they've been painting you with the, this is what you do and who you are. You ever notice if this has happened to you in jobs? You're this person at the office. You are the, you are the go-to handyman. You're the, you're the, you're, you fill holes. And when you try to rise above or when you try to move into a different category, you try to be a different person. They go, no, 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 that's not you. That's this other person who came from this other company that we don't know we're probably gonna fire in three months. Does that make sense? Because they see them as that color all of a sudden. But they don't see you as that color because you've been there and they haven't given you the chance to do that. I think our friends do that. They hold us back in our colors because they just go, nah, yeah, okay, yeah, you're going to like try that? Well, okay, that's cool. Are we going to come to your one-man show or whatever? Like they don't know how the, it, it all feels like you are leaving what they call, and they say this so nicely. I had a friend say this. He's like, yeah, it always makes me nervous when a person steps out of their core competency to do something else. You know, all you're saying is like, don't ever change, stay where you are, just stay on that track. I said, are you kidding me? My entire life is about stepping out of my core competency. I don't even have a core competency anymore. I just go, yeah, I want to keep moving. Like if all of life, so much of what we're doing. I just want to invite you to see that your life and your space, sometimes it might be a sculptor, but you might go, I don't have a lot of things that are being chipped off my life or I'm not, I don't feel that sculpt. But do you in this room, you go, I've been painted with this brush. I don't want to be that color anymore. And can you intentionally pay attention and go, I'm going to repaint this whole part of who I am. I'm gonna repaint this whole part of the way that people see me. People make it really, really hard to change. Uh, but if you can tell, as you've even been here at this podcast, can you tell that I'm trying to repaint? Can you tell that we're evolving? Can you tell that the, the, the conversation is changing, that things are evolving? I wanna help you live a better life no matter where you are, no matter race, religion, or creed. I wanna help you live a better life. I wanna give you those tools and I wanna grab them from all over the universe and do that for you. That's really confusing to people who just want a pastor. Because they go, yeah, I don't know. And I actually stopped. If you noticed, I stopped calling myself a pastor. If some of you have known me as a pastor, I stopped calling myself that because it's really sad to be a pastor who, they're like, oh, well, what church do you lead? <laughs> well, I do this thing in uh, the bootleg once a month. You know, like, <laughs> it just doesn't, like, the and, they, and it's so confusing to people. So then I stopped using that word. And you know what's weird? No one misses it. 
Because as long as you keep painting the brush and you keep going, but I'm writing and I'm creating and I'm making and I'm, I'm serving and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm doing and I'm going, you just keep painting that brush. So tonight, what I wanted to invite you to do is go, you have a color you've just, um, or a way you want to be painted or a thing you want to add to your painting that you have been like, I just don't know how people would respond. I want to ask you one big, huge question and I'll answer it right away. Who cares? That if tonight you have something where you go, yeah, but I've always wanted to do this, or I've always wanted to start this, or I kind of want to, I want to shake out of who I've been to these people and I want to step out, go. And I'm telling you that like elbows deep in repainting my whole life, our whole life. And I'm saying to pay attention to it and go, hey, we're going we're gonna to repaint this thing. I think it's the same when it comes to relationships. Have you ever gotten into a rut relationally? I got into a rut with a guy where all we did was make fun of each other. And we were really good at it and people laughed and loved hanging out with us because we would just rip each other to shreds. And people would laugh and, get, and be like, okay, here they go. And then we would turn it, it would usually turn into like a physical altercation and then we would leave separately and then we would be friends the next time it all got together. We just got into that rut, couldn't get out of it. I think for so many of us, we can get into that, those ruts in our relationships also where we just go, oh, this is the way we relate to each other. And my invitation is that you are the only one holding the brush for your life. Other people will try to paint you and they will try to force you into a corner. Just stand tall and go, I put the paint on this thing. This thing is mine and I'm just going to keep painting. If I could do anything, I would just say, I wish someone years ago had said, you paint yourself whatever you want to be, whatever life you want to create. And when people come up to you with paintbrushes and they go, oh, you go, no, 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 sorry, this job's already taken. I've got, I got something I'm putting together here. Does that make sense? Yes, definitely. Awesome. I think... Um the beauty of that is that what I find is that um, I often feel stuck in the, I'm a categories person, so I'm this, you are that, and I feel very powerless often. You know, I do not feel empowered, unlike him, just wake up and create a new life. I'm like, no, that's not really how it works. Um, and what's freeing for me is the idea that you can remake it doesn't mean that it wasn't, and it doesn't mean that it wasn't true. It's that you can choose. I can choose. I can be empowered to paint something different, regardless of what it was. And even in, in spite of what it was, and even on top of what it was, it doesn't mean that I'm taking it away as much as I can, I can create something new. Um, so for example, so when we got married, you know, I'm 32, and I have lots of layers of painting. I have lots of relationships, lots of junk, lots of mess, but I have developed into my own person and then we get married and it's like, that's a different color. And now it's no longer my own, it's ours together. And when I'm painting affects another person, what he chooses affects me. And then it's suddenly this whole thing of like, how does this work? Um, it's not like I was perhaps some people, you know, in their early 20s who didn't have this clear sense of color or paint layers. I had so many that were so clearly defined for me. It was difficult when we got together to turn, to figure out how to engage in that differently. Does that make sense? Not like, oh, I'm not independent anymore. More like, oh, I don't walk in a room like that anymore. You know what I'm saying? Not like I was looking for like to happen. Yeah, you but were. I was still. Oh, man. Anyway, I don't know where I'm going with that. Anyway. Um, she don't want, a, she's like, yeah, it's weird. I have to walk in and like not check out all the guys in the room. It's like, what do you mean you have think, to start doing that? I don't think I, don't I actually know. said that, first of all. Um, We've been married like three years. I was like, well, we can't figure this out yet. <laughs> That's not true. Um, 
I find it unique in terms of an us dynamic. How do you responsibly be true to you, also be accountable for someone else, and healthily live in that duality? Yes. You know? Um, so that's that. That's so true. Yeah, thanks. Sculpting, painting, there's a third one. Oh, the third one. Okay, this is the shattering. Woo, fun times. This is the shattering. This is when everything you knew as you knew it no longer is the same. Um, this could be a one-time incident. Something happened, you know. Um, Hope found out she had breast cancer. It could be a tragic thing. It also could be a natural rhythm of life. So I thought, like, when people say, I'm not in love with a guy that I married, he's not the person I married, or things like that, and we think, oh, things have changed. Actually, I want that to be true. I really do hope that he's not the guy that I married. You know what I mean? I hope he is a better, elevated, more conscious, aware, awakened version of himself, and I hope that shatters. In the shattering, it means we get to recreate. I think where we stuck, get stuck, where I get stuck, where society tells us, is that when it breaks, it's over. It's the end. It's a, it, it dissolves. It no longer works. We broke it. And I don't know that that's always true. It might be true sometimes. But I think there have been so many shatterings in our marriage, and there have been so many shatterings in my life. I think the shatterings are evidence of our growth, of our journey, of our transformation, that it breaks the mold. And then you're like, well, all right, what do we have left? What are the essential pieces? They're still there. And the mosaic, at its definition, is the art form where broken and fragmented pieces are brought together, made more beautiful when light shines through it. It's still the same pieces, it just looks totally different because the light is reflecting differently. Um, so for me, one of that, like I mentioned before, was parenting. Motherhood was a shattering. It was a shattering to us because we were like going to dinner at 10 and midnight movies and sleeping in and brunching at that, one. Does anyone do that? Just like who like <clears throat> is single or who's married with no kids just by show of hands? Yeah. yeah wow. no, the best time ever. Don't ever yeah. change that. Um, <laughs> and then we had this whole thing and then you have a kid and you're like, well, apparently we're not doing that ever. Um, that was a shattering for me personally. Literally ever again. It was yes. a shattering for me personally. Identity, um, work, just trying to figure all that out. Um, it was something, motherhood was something I always imagined for myself, just like marriage. I always imagined it, but I never planned it, you know? I always thought it'd be there, but I never really honed in on it. And then it came and I was like, interesting. Um, that was a shattering for me, and that's a shattering for us and how we relate, how we do it. So we're like, okay, let's pick up all the pieces again. Um, he, he, you didn't really mention, I don't know if anyone's here that doesn't know your story, but stepped off paid stuff at Mosaic at a church here in LA two years ago, and we've been running our nonprofit together called Adopt Together. Also, he's been on tour with Demi Lovato and Nick Jonas. Also, he's in the middle of writing a book, also doing this podcast. So how do you, what, when someone says, what, did you, what does your husband do? I'm like, um, you know, gigs. Um, <laughs> he's busy. He's, he's busy. So that's a remaking. It is how we met. It is all that we did together. We worked together. We were friends together in that context. And then you're like, oh, we're not on staff anymore. Cool, awesome. But one, people don't know what to do with that. Number two, we don't know what to do with that. Number three, I'm about to be 40. And I'm like, um, we're starting over again. You know, and that's a shattering. I'm grateful we're in a city like LA where that's like, Okay, you know, but I don't know how to answer questions like, well, what is he going to do for a career? We're in the middle of remaking that, you know. He should just submit resumes online to churches. No, he shouldn't. Um, that is our current shattering. That's our current rebuilding. We don't have a new thing yet, a shiny thing that we're holding up like, look at this ornament. Um, 
but we're in the middle of remaking it and that's fun exciting <clears throat> scary yeah um what else i even think there's relationships maybe in the room oh yeah where you go when a relationship shatters i think the assumption is even when you're dating or when you're engaged or when you're married when the relationship shatters and when things happen you go ah okay this thing broke it doesn't work anymore Instead of realizing that, I, I feel like with a marriage, with a relationship, with a career, even with a life, we're, all, we're making and remaking those things constantly. And if you've been married for a long time, anybody married here more than 20 years? Yeah, like, wow, okay, yeah. You, so you know what that's like. It's like, yeah, you don't have the marriage you started with. It shattered and it broke at some point in the life. And you actually get a chance to like, one option is to react to it and go, oh, this thing broke. Okay, now all we've got is the pieces and you can freak out and you can have a natural response to that. Or you take a deep breath and you go, okay, the whole thing is shattered. Which pieces do we want and how do we recreate something more beautiful than that? Like I can't tell you how many people that I keep running into whose lives hit what I would have considered like an irreversible bottom. It's just bad. It was drugs, it was prostitution, it was shattering, it was abuse, it was rape, it was all these things that you go, their life absolutely just went to crap, hit the total bottom. And their life now is bizarrely, and this is not information you can give them at the bottom, is actually better and more beautiful than the life they had before that shattering. Have you ever met those people? Where you look and you just go, even when there's terrible breakups or awful things happening, you're like, it is so strange that on the other side of it, when you reconnect and rebuild and rebeautify it, it is actually more beautiful than that thing was. I think culturally, when we look around right now, there's a cr some crazy stuff happening. And we've talked about that here in a lot of things. There's a crazy election happening. And I'm, I get emails if I tease Trump or say the president is a she or we make any comments. I have people, you can't almost do anything positive in the context, right? Like you can't, we're in a season where you, there is no politically correct anymore. You just go, either just start shouting one direction or stop. It just is, everybody's gonna get mad about something. But you know what's amazing about all these police officer cameras? I, there's, what's amazing about watching all these shootings of all these African Americans by all these police, even when they're unarmed, is that's been happening for hundreds of years. And you know what's shattering is now we're all going, oh my gosh, this is happening. Like when people are angry and upset about it, you go, yes, you, that finally, we're seeing it. It's shattering. What's shattering? Our thought that those things somehow were not happening in the back alleys of Alabama for the last hundred years. That when, when you have a crazy election happening where it's all these things and you have, have you guys seen that uh, meme that is of Ace Ventura and he's got the arrow in both legs? And it goes, when you have to vote for Donald or Hillary and it's like, no, no, and he's screaming. Like I look at that and go, there, there, and then and you have this like crazy, just crazy election happening. We, we were gonna have, and what's funny and unstrategic is that World Adoption Day is the day after the election. Okay, yeah. So we need you all to post smiley faces because everyone is, there are people gonna be like moving to Canada, throwing themselves in front of traffic. There is no like, oh, there's no relief moment for the whole world, right? Everyone is gonna be freaking out and we'll be like, hey, World Adoption Day, like, Un Children being adopted in the world. <laughs> so if this is a weird year, you'll be like, yeah, it was the whole Trump Hillary thing. But I just, I, so much of that is I feel like that's a shattering. It's a shattering of what we thought we had, this predictability of a country and like what we thought was normal and reasonable and But even in the not so dramatic ones, like, okay, take it down from rape. We had a bad fight. That's a shattering to me. Call me dramatic, but I'm like, this is not the relationship I wanted. This is not how I thought that we would be. I thought we were past this. How are we still talking about this? How are you still bringing this up? It, it, 
It's like every anniversary. Actually, <laughs> every anniversary. I said that last time. We had the terrible anniversary. I'm sobbing. We're arguing. We're screaming. Um, and it's our seventh anniversary. That's a shattering to me. But you have. But what is empowering to me about this that I found as we talked about this is I don't go to rebuilding. I go to this sucks. I'm walking out. This sucks. I'm mad. It sucks. It will always suck. Two. That was a weekend. Okay, we're remaking it. I know that's obvious to many people. <laughs> to me, it, I don't quickly seize my power in that and go, we're rebuilding it. New mosaic, you know? Yeah, so you might be in this room and you have something that's shattered. And you might have walked in being like, ah, it's this burden that I carry or this thing that I carried. When in reality, like when you, if you can step out of it and sort of be awake to your own life and look at it and go, oh, but I have all these pieces. And if I take all these pieces, I can make something that was more beautiful than that thing that broke initially. Does that make sense? And maybe like Sue Ann said, like our biggest concern is we sort of, this was really profound for us. This framework was really profound for us. And our worry was that people were like, yeah, 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 sculpting, painting, mosaic. But when you do the work, and if you really want to look into your life, you can start to look at even your relationship and go, intentionally, what things do we want to chisel out of our relationship? If you looked at even your life where you go, tonight you could go, what things do I need to chisel out of my life? That I just need to get less of this. And maybe you go, I don't even know. You came with a person or you have a person. You go, if I was going to chisel something out of my life, what would it be? What would I get rid of? I guarantee you, your friends are ready to give you feedback about your life. I have never asked that question had a person be like, you're good the way you are. No, just you do you. Like, there's, I've never had a friend asking that. And if they are, that person is not awake and they're not going to be able to help you anyways. You can help them, I'm sure, but you're, they're not going to be able to help you. Ask the person that you're dating, hey, what could I chisel out of my life? Or to ask, hey, what do you feel like my layers are? Or in a sense, like just asking the question, what do you feel like I'm shattering that I'm leaving shattered and I'm not rebuilding? As human beings, we have been in a constant state of the world breaking and things breaking and us remaking it. A constant state of that. In essence, as humans, the only way you evolve as a human, think about the phrase evolution, is that this doesn't work anymore, so we're going to create a new one. It's just a, a more dramatic version when it breaks, when it shatters, when relationships do, when your family gets splintered somehow. We have friends who, are who their families are splintered. My family's been splintered by so many random things and crazy people. Anyone have a crazy person you're related to by blood and you hope it didn't pass on to you? I, have, like, I, take the, I check the 23andMe thing every day, just be like, I hope I didn't get his genes. I hope it's not in there. Like, I don't want the crazy genes, right? Or any more of them. But I look at that and I go, it's been shattered, but every time we've rebuilt, it's stronger and it's more beautiful than the, than the malaise that we began with or the thing that was beautiful in its time, but it's not fit for this world anymore. Does that make sense? So that's the, that's the framework that's it. that we wanted to introduce to you that I hope you kind of dive into some of that stuff. So what we want to do and we, we want to spend, we try to these things, keep these things right at an hour. Does anyone know what time it is? 8.51. We want to keep this thing right at an hour, so we've got a couple, one thing to do at the very end. Uh, but we wanted to just open up. Colton's going to come running up, and he's going to take this microphone. And um, this is Colton, guys. He produces this whole thing. Give him a round of applause. Um, and now we'll go to questions. Any questions? Any um, things? You can raise your hand high in the air, and Colton will come and find you. I feel like we should move closer. No, because then we'll lose you guys. I just feel like you guys are like, we're like, a long dinner table away. You know what I mean? Uh, any questions? Show of hands. Raise your hand. It can be about this. It can be about, yes, ma'am, right there. Uh, it can be about this. It can be about kind of what, what's happening, what's going on, all those kinds of things. You can ask any questions about anything. You, uh, we are open 
the book. Yes, ma'am. Tell us your name. Uh, my name's Sheila. Hi, Sheila. And uh, I was just wondering in regards to painting for your children. I have two teenage daughters, and I'm in the thick of it. And I'm just wondering if you have any suggestions as far as helping them or paint them and not put them in a box. Because yes, you I have. am the nagging and the likely abusive mother. <laughs> so, but but not in a bad, but not in a bad way, not in a bad way. So, I just wonder, you know, how we can be as a mother, as a friend, how we I can help other people create a different color or their own color. Yes, that's a great question. Sue Ann. You're going to have two teenage, teenage daughters. I feel like we should do like a slow clap for you just to, for surviving two teenagers. Like, wow. Wow. Um, I think I, I had a... Re, okay, keep reading them. Um, because you're going, to, you're going to need that survival element. I have five sisters, so I know exactly um, what you're talking about. I think so much of, of the opportunity, especially when painting is I feel like when you're helping a person become who they are, especially uh, a little narcissist, like a teenage girl, you know what I mean? Was anybody here a teenage girl and you know kind of what I'm talking about? And you're like, yeah, yeah, totally, okay. Um, some of the guys were like, definitely, yes, I know what you're talking about. Uh, I feel like so much of what you're, what you're trying to do is you wanna give them the gift of letting them paint on anything they want. There's this really cool thing that is on a book by a guy named Ryan Holiday. And uh, it's called Ego is the Enemy is the name of the book. And we should all read it because it's just glorious and amazing. And I'm, I'll have him on the podcast at some point. He wrote a book called, Brian, called Ego is the Enemy. And he has this thing called the canvas strategy that he's talking about in terms of like planning your career and relating to like a boss and that sort of stuff. But I actually think the canvas strategy, when I read about the canvas strategy, I took a deep breath and thought that's actually the kind of dad I want to be. The canvas strategy is in essence that you get to in some way inform the conversation, not by telling your boss what to do, but by helping build a canvas for them. Because now you've just given them the borders by which they would create it. So that in helping another person and removing your own ego, you're actually creating the life and skills that you want to have. And that would be true of my life, but in, in essence, as a parent, what you can do is you can actually go, I'm, my job is just going to keep giving you a canvas. And you paint whatever you want on that thing. Does that make sense? Because the more you nag, the more you'll lose your, your voice with them. But the more you go, hey, I want to, the more you're giving them an opportunity and they can feel you want to pull something out of them instead of turning them into what you, you want them to be, the more they will lean into that and, and want more and more and more from you. I can't uh, speak as highly as much. My parents, if I called them and said, I'm going to be a male stripper. I just feel like that's what I'm on earth to do. That's the thing. My first thing my dad would say is, we better work out. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, and my mom would be like, well, okay. Like, and, they, and you know what they would do is they would brainstorm with me because that's where, does that make sense? Like, my parents are so on that end of the spectrum. They're anti-establishment. They marched against Vietnam. Like, they are out there going, yeah, the, the, you do you. You be who you're going to be, and we're going to help you be there. Uh, so they're always going to be my first phone call when I have, like, an idea. Does that make sense? And you want, that's more important than if they're a disaster for the next couple of years at home. Because you don't want to lose that voice in their life. Does that make sense? Cool. Great question. Yes, ma'am. Hurry up, Colton. Sorry. Huh? No, you, this one's going to be for Sue Ann or more me. I'm just asking. Is this Sue Ann doing awesome? Aren't we glad she's here? I love it. What's your name? Alex. Alex. Yeah. Where do you find 
the strength and the confidence to make the hard turn from the color that you are to the color that you see yourself as? Hmm. It's a really great, really great question. I think um, it comes from, I think you have to be desperate for it. I think you have to be very in tune with how much you're dying every day. Your soul light is dimming every day. Darker and darker and darker. And you have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, am I okay with that? That is my choice. I am allowing it to dim. So you can, totally. And it's fine, and no one would actually know, probably. Um, and then you'd live with that for your one life. Next question. <laughs> I'm a very positive person. Yeah. We're giving you hope. Here you go. I, I was going to answer way more practically and shallow than that. But I'm so glad she said that because that's actually at the core she of She said question. to me, I feel oh, like I'm geez. dying every day. Yeah. I'm like, let's be broke. Stop. I'd rather be broke than have you die every day. Really? Are you being dramatic? Because it could be. You know, he could be being, being very dramatic. Um, I'm willing to do anything to have him not feel like his soul is withering every day. You know what I mean? And I think you have people in your life who would rally around you, turning on all the lights for you if you said, if you actually came out and said, it's not me, I'm dying. You know? Okay. Because that's harder than getting, uh, like when you, ch I was going to, be way more practical. You get the crap beat out of you when you try to change your color. Nobody likes that for some bizarre reason. And it, you are out of your core competency, right? So you don't know what you're doing and you don't know where you're going and it's new and it's fresh. But I would rather get my face, I would rather get beat up over here and come back like, yeah, that was a fight, than uh, kind of slowly wither a little. Does that make sense? Where I felt like this one, even though I got beat up, was making me stronger. Uh, this one was just, was I maybe appeared stronger, but I was getting weaker and weaker, like in, internally. But there's a really cool, like from a really practical standpoint, a really, really, really cool book um, by Jim Collins, who did a lot of business work. And I can't remember the name of it necessarily. He wrote a book called Good to Great, and then he wrote another one. Does anyone know the name of that book? Built to Last. Uh, built, maybe it's Built to Last. The companies that are built to last, they follow a, um, an ancient battle strategy. Ancient battle strategies, when ships would war against each other, they never wasted cannons because those were really precious. So what they did is they would take a musket, and if I wanted to know if the ship was close enough for me to hit with a cannon, I would fire a musket. If I could hit the ship, I was within range. If I wasn't, all I lost was a bullet. But they, don't fi they didn't fire muskets because they only had a certain amount of them on the ship, so they had to be careful. I think it's the same when it comes to um, even careers or growth, and this is the same when it comes to dating, relationships, all of it, is you take a deep breath and you go, okay, how can I fire one small little musket? It costs me very little, but it will tell me if I can invest more and more in that. That companies don't go, we are moving into this sector. They go, yeah, let's see what happens. Let's do one little small thing. So a small thing, for instance, we're gonna totally rebrand Adopt Together. Uh, when you come to Baby Ball, you will see all that rebranding, but not a single person on the internet will see that. Because I wanna see how you react when you see it. Does that make sense? It costs me very little. If I rebrand nine times and I keep changing who I am and what I'm doing, then everybody goes, geez, man. 
So I think what you do is you go, I think I want to be this person. And then you start sending out small little things. So if you want to be a writer, try to write an article in some publication no one will read. And then you go, yeah, okay. And you didn't embarrass yourself and your friend, no one's going to see it. And you might start a podcast and no one's going to listen. And then if no one listens, you're like, they don't know that it's not good yet and that you're finding your voice, right? And then you might go, I want to give talks. Well, okay, go give a talk to some small room where no one's allowed to have their phone out. And then you go, okay, that didn't go so well, and, but no one saw it. Does that make sense? Like it was small bullets. Don't start a website that says, I'm now a speaker. And then be like, well, have you given any talks? Not yet. Well, we're going to work on that. Does that make sense? Like find small little bullets where you go, I can start in this department in this direction, even when it comes to relationships. I think I want more time with this person. Don't invite them to a, on a week-long trip with you, right? We wouldn't do that. You would just go, hey, how about coffee? That could be right before a meal. And then we see if that meal, maybe that's the meal that graduates to. Does that make sense? Cool. Last question. Oh, that was it. Nope. Well, last question. Wait, who, last question. Who, who, who got, what do we do? We, what do we do? What do we do? Are we okay with two questions? Is everybody good with that? Can we wait? Okay. Uh, white man in a white shirt. <laughs> I was like, who is that? Uh, I'm Jordan, and you said when you were younger that you had a hard time when somebody would tell you something that you didn't want to hear, you just think, oh no, that's not what I am. So, but you also said you have to have permission to chisel away at somebody. So how do you approach somebody who is unwilling to hear something that they really need to hear it? Yeah, it's um, so weird. The reason I ran from feedback like that is because I had the secret voice in myself that um, said I was sort of like a piece of shit. And I had that like floating in my head and so when somebody would go, hey, sometimes you're rude to people or you're crass, I would just go, I knew it was true. Does that make sense? And what I needed in my life, like, and that's what the impact that Irwin had on my life, I knew that he loved me. And that if he was giving me the feedback, it, uh, it simultaneously was silencing this other voice that said that I was worthless. Does that make sense? And I think that's the, the way that you can help a person is they have to they have to believe that you are for them. And if you go, and there's some people in life that I can chisel, but I am uh, not for them enough for them to believe that. Does that make sense? And I just go, some, God is gonna have to send them someone else, <laughs> but it's not gonna be me. I just can't, I don't care about them enough to tell them this very truthful thing. Uh, I think that has to be a piece of it. And if you have a person in your life that just goes, man, I won't hear it, I call that like a little brother syndrome. Little brothers learn the least from the people who could tell them the most which is older brothers, they just can't hear it from that voice for some reason. Makes sense. Thank that you. makes sense? Awesome. Thanks. Jordan. Can we thank Jordan for his question? That was a great question. Yes. Madam, and tell us your name. Um, my name is Jessica. Jessica. Um, I just got out of a nine-year relationship. It was my decision. Um, it was, he was my best friend. Love him to death. But, um, I was okay with that decision. I grabbed the new paintbrush and the new color. Um, we just wanted different things moving forward. And uh, I was sure of it until he started sleeping with someone I thought was my best friend. And that happened maybe two months after we broke up. And then the chiseling started. And that's when I wanted him to know how angry I was and how awful that was. How do you forgive someone like that yeah. first off that's not chiseling that's like just awful <laughs> shattering yeah. that just sucks does that make sense so you that just sucks can we just all take like a yeah like yeah. a 
wow, that really just sucks. So if you have these thoughts where you're like, this, I think this really sucks, you know that an entire room of people at the bootleg in Los Angeles were like, wow, that really, really sucks. Man, I'm sorry. So Anne has an answer for that, for sure. I can feel it. I can feel it. How I answered Alex is I, I think we're good. I was gonna say, don't forgive him, but I don't think that's the answer. I don't know, I don't know who I'm more angry with at this point, you know? Yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, you, you want them to understand how hurtful it is, but at the same time, it's, this is the decision that I made. This is something that I wanna grow and move forward with, and I've been holding onto it for quite some time, yeah, the rabbi said something. I'll, I'll hook you up with my rabbi. He said something that's good. Uh, can I give you another thought? Sure. Uh, that might be less um, soothing. Sure. Is it okay? Yeah. Uh, this is that's me asking for permission. Just in case that doesn't go well, the whole room knows. Um, you broke up with him. Yes. And then he started sleeping with a person you thought was your best friend. Um, you shattered his space. And in essence, some of the, whatever that reshuffling did, it shattered something else for you. But you've been in control of this thing the whole time. And right now, in this moment, you actually have a chance to sort of, you can react to it because it's hurtful and it sucks. And a whole room of people acknowledge, you could feel the room connect to you like, that would just be awful and that would be terrible. Which you can respond to at this level. But then at the waking up level, you can broaden out and you can go, I didn't want that in my life anyways. Yeah. And, and his, her, his relationship with, that, with the girl and the, the fact that they're doing that together, that sucks for you and it's really, it's a loss for you. But your loss is actually something they are just decided to recreate together without you. And what I would say is you don't want that on your life anyways. You don't want them holding that on or resisting. You've been in control this whole time. I'm, it's more illuminating that that's happening. So your two options, really, your one option is I can react to them and I can tell them what, what sucky people they are and have been to my life, and what they're doing sucks. It does totally suck. The other option is you can pull yourself back and go, okay, I thought I was shattering one thing, but it turns out the whole thing was gonna shatter. Now I get to take these pieces because you're still the artist. You're still the one who controlled. You, and you were clear, it was my decision. I chose to recreate this. So now you actually get to recreate the whole thing. You're not creating one person that was connected to all of your friends. You've now get the chance to sort of wake up, pull back and go, okay, where can I go from here? And what can this dynamic and this thing that's happening, how can this thing actually start to chisel that you would look at it and go, how can I grow through this? Create something more beautiful through this. Does that make sense? And because I think how do you forgive him is um, too easy of a question. And it's just too, uh, like how do you forgive him? If you go, I gotta forgive him, I gotta forgive him, I gotta forgive him, that'll just be really hard and a really long journey for you. If you go, I don't um, need to. He doesn't need your forgiveness. Does that make sense? Because you weren't with him and he hooked up with your girl, your really good friend who, uh, she might need a little bit of your forgiveness, uh, but probably doesn't feel, the need, feel like she does. Does that make sense? So I would go, uh, why, how do you forgive him? I don't know that you need to. What I would invite you to do is I would invite you to zoom way out and go, okay, where can I take the pieces that I have and start to rebuild and recreate and keep doing what you started? Because you started it by breaking up with him going, I want a new life and I want a next life. And now you, I, I want you to just keep going into that and don't get distracted and pulled away by this drama and by this dude. And just, you just keep moving him out of your life. 
and, and don't give in to the bitterness part of like, you did this to me, you did this to me. No, you did this. And you, the you doing this was the best thing you've done in the last nine years, I have a feeling. Does that make sense? So just keep doing what you're doing and keep trusting that and not getting distracted by what you were creating because people are doing stupid stuff and horny friends are hanging out. Does that make sense? Like you, do, you keep moving because the life you're creating is really beautiful. So that, sorry, that was a long answer to a short question. Is that okay? Awesome, thank you very much. Guys, I can't say enough how much I love doing this with you. And this is such an honor and such a, a blast. Uh, one of the things that is also an honor is getting Sue Ann to do this with us. So can we thank her one more time? And I asked our team to coordinate a little thank you present for Sue Ann for coming and doing this as a little bit of a surprise. So Sue Ann, thank you so much for doing this and for being a part of this. Thank you, Colton. You're awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, guys, you're amazing. It, truthfully, I cannot say enough how grateful I am that you're here and you're part of this. Uh, if you want to come up and talk and hang out, we'll be here. They're going to roll some music. And then thank you guys thank so much you. for being here. You're awesome. Have a great night and have a better life. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. And again, thank you so much for being a part of Typically Hazardous. I come to you now to let you know that November 11th, Baby Ball is going to be an incredible experience. We want to invite you to be a part of that as we celebrate Adopt Together's work and as we launch World Adoption Day 2016, which you will be hearing more and more about. Join us in November, and until then, keep going and keep hustling that typically hazardous life.